This is the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, episode 143. Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Weekly motivation and language learning tips to help you become fluent in any language. Now, here's your host, Ollie Richards. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. And if you're new here, please make sure you subscribe so that you get new episodes all about language learning to your phone or your tablet or wherever you happen to listen to the podcast. You have joined us in part three of a new series all about mastering your memory. And if you haven't heard the first two episodes, you really should go back and listen to those first. So that's episode 141 and 142. That will make a lot more sense (laughs) for you that way. So today we're going to get into part three of what I call the art technique. But before we do that, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show who keep the show running. They are italki. And italki is the place where I go to get all of my speaking practice. They have native speaker teachers from around the world, different countries, different languages, different dialects. um, And they have the perfect teacher for you. So if you would like to get a free lesson, in fact, it's $10 worth of credit for free when you sign up, you can go to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free lesson. All right, then. So in the first two parts of this series, we talked about the A and the R in the art formula. Okay, so that was attention and repetition. These, for me, are the foundations of a strong memory. And what we're going to do today is go on to talk about T. And T is kind of a, it's absolutely essential and many people miss it altogether. And it's also the really fun part. But I do just want to say that the everything we're going to talk about today does very much depend on you getting the first two parts right. Okay, so uh, everything works in combination here. So we're going to talk about T today. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to give you a uh, some information about how you can join a very, very exciting new class that I'm running where I'm actually going to coach you through some memory techniques so you can try them all out for yourself and uh, improve your memory in the process. Now, in the 1950s, if you happened to walk into a jazz club on 52nd Street in uh, in New York, you would see something pretty amazing. You'd see dozens of musicians, jazz musicians, hanging out and playing music on this stage, kind of everyone learning to improvise together, getting up on stage one after the other, playing these uh, these standard Broadway tunes. And, you know, night after night, an incredible electric atmosphere. And they were actually creating modern jazz as we know it, right there. It was an incredibly exciting time. Obviously, I wasn't around <laughs> to see it myself, but I, I do have a background in this. And that time in New York was one of the most energy-fueled, vibrant music scenes that have ever, ever been seen. And those some of those musicians, those jazz musicians um, who were playing, were some of the most natural and talented improvisers ever. I mean, we got people like Miles Davis, Ray Brown, Charlie Parker, the list, the list goes on. It's endless. But here's what's interesting. A lot of these musicians, these people who were actually forming what was called bebop at the time... Um, you know, the, the very start of a new movement in uh, in music, a lot of them had no formal musical training and they were completely self-taught. So how is this possible? How could you get people like that talented without having any formal training themselves? Well, simply it came through a lot of dedication, a lot of enthusiasm and practice. Those guys, they lived for the music. They would spend every night in the jazz clubs simply playing. They didn't really... When you look at it this way, they didn't really have any need for formal musical education because they would just do it. It's all they knew. 
Now, pretty soon what happened was people started to think about how to replicate that success. So how to imitate those musicians and become as successful as them. And so, you know, over the years, you started to get jazz departments in music colleges springing up uh, in America and then eventually abroad as well. And you'd get these people who suddenly found themselves jazz professors who would start to teach these generations of students all about how the greats play jazz, these 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 52nd Street musicians, how they would play. They teach them all about their the, the scales they would use, improvisational techniques, things like that. And of course, like the students would spend hours in practice rooms and, you know, trying to, you know, practicing these scales, trying to emulate these guys. But it was never quite enough, you know, despite working really hard and practicing a lot, knowing all the tricks, most of the new generation of jazz musicians would never really be able to play like these guys from 52nd Street, right? Why not? What was the disconnect? What was the gap? Well, the problem was that the theory wasn't enough. Just studying this stuff in a, in a classroom environment and then practicing it, it wasn't enough. Even with hours and hours of practice. The 52nd Street musicians, like these jazz guys, they learned to improvise. They learned to be such great improvisers by actually doing it, by performing live on stage, night after night. And sure, they would, they would practice as well. They would practice in their free time, just like you study languages in your free time. And, and the practice made them good, but it was the performing and the actual doing that made them great. And so the lesson from that was very, very clear. No amount of study and preparation can ever really replace experience from the performance itself. And, you know, I saw this over and over again when I was at music college. There's a big gap between those people who practice very hard, but not really play so much, and then those people who would actually practice hard, but mainly spend their time actually going out and playing. Those were the people who who had the potential of really mastering their craft. Now, what on earth does this have to do with language learning? <laughs> well, for me, when you speak a foreign language with someone, you are performing. It is very much like theatre. It may not be very nice to think of it that way, right? but it's exactly what it is. It's the moment when all your preparation, all your study is put to use. And I think if we're being honest, we're often also judged by our own performance as well. You know, native speakers, when, when you speak to them in their language, they will give you a certain reaction. They will judge you for better or for worse. All right, so all of this brings us to the T in art, which is try. <laughs> okay, yeah, simply try. The word try. It's a little bit tries, right? But it makes the point very, very clearly and is easy to remember, which is this. You need to take the vocabulary that you're memorizing and start to use it in conversation. You've got to get the words out of your head, off the paper, and into the real world. This is important because, you know, when new vocabulary comes up in conversation, you achieve two things. First of all, you practice recall. So it becomes easier to remember that word on demand. Okay, one of the hardest things about memorizing vocabulary is that, you know, when you're in the flow of conversation, when you come to speak, you just can't put your finger on that word. You can't, you can't recall that word, right? It just evaporates. So by actually practicing it in conversation, you practice that all-important recall so that you can get access to that word when you need it. You also practice recognition. So not only do you have to say the word yourself, but you also learn to hear it being used by other people, which is a big deal. 
Um, you know, you know that feeling sometimes when you like you learn a word, and then you hear it being used, and you don't recognise it. <laughs> it's it, it's because you don't have enough practice actually hearing it used in conversation. It's pretty straightforward when you think about it. Okay, so T stands for try, as in try it out. But often, I think this is considered to be a bit of an afterthought. People think, ah, oh, you know, I've just learned these this new vocabulary. I should. You know, I should probably sometime actually try and say these words with someone in conversation, maybe. But no, like you got to, it has to be more than that. Real conversation is really unpredictable. You have lots of ups and downs to navigate with the other person. Um, you know, have to change topic. You have to react to their body language, uh, unexpected twists and turns, interruptions. Conversation is really unpredictable. So a real conversation is not an easy place to practice using new vocabulary that you haven't really mastered yet it's not easy at all but that is why that's precisely why you have to practice doing it all right if you never actually practice the performance so to speak you're never going to get to a point where you're confident using it all so you've got to use it or lose it <laughs> just like, i wonder how many more cliches i can come up with uh, in, the, <laughs> in the in this episode you know just like those jazz musicians, those those guys in the clubs in the 50s, trying out all these new scales that they were learning in performance every night. Like the essence of language, I think, first and foremost, is actually to use your vocabulary. Very few of us have this kind of passive relationship with languages where we just like to, to read and nothing more. You've got to use it. And this is why try is the last part of the art technique. You've got to try it out. But I know that it might not feel so easy and... Um, you, know, you probably feel a disconnect between the words you study and actually having those available on the tip of your tongue. It's a very, I mean, I remember many times, and it still happens now, you know, like I would um, spend time trying to memorize words, learning words from a, a dialogue or whatever, and then I'd come to speak thinking to myself, right, oh, I've got to practice all this new vocabulary. And it just, it's just not quick enough, you know, like, you kind of have this feeling that I oh, give me a few seconds more and I remember it, but that's not enough for conversation. Conversations happen too quickly. Okay. So you, you often find it very difficult to remember new vocabulary when you're in that flow of conversation. So understanding how to do this effectively, how to try this out in, the, in an effective way is the last part of the puzzle. And if you know how to not only select and learn vocabulary, but actually practice practice that vocabulary in conversation when you get that technique down the sky is the limit you know it's only when you truly start to use new vocabulary that you begin to master it and have that feeling of mastering your memory you know in that situation you'll really be able to reliably learn anything that you want and use it confident confidently in conversation and recall those words when you need them right now of course to get to that point where you can really do that on demand, it does take time, but it all has to start with trying. So let's talk about how. How can you actually try out your new vocabulary in a sensible way? Well, as we saw earlier, conversations can be a tough place to practice that new vocabulary, right? Especially if you're talking with strangers and you feel under pressure. And it still amazes me how many people kind of like to get their language practice with total strangers on the street. And then wonder wonder why it's so hard. I had never practiced with strangers. I've said this many times. I like to practice in a kind of controlled, safe environment because that lets me take the time that I need. So you've got to try using your new vocabulary 
in a way that doesn't rely on kind of this, this randomness, the social lottery, as I call it. Right. So first of all, and you know, regular listeners of this show will be very familiar with this. You need to have a conversation partner or a tutor or someone who you can turn to regularly to practice speaking right, in a controlled way. Your boyfriend or girlfriend is probably not the right person because you'll probably focus on other things. <laughs> and uh, um, even a friend is probably not the right person because th- the point about a conversation partner or a tutor is that that person is there for you once, twice, three times a week to help you practice whatever you want. They're at your service. That's what they're for. Okay, so you need to have a person like that in order to practice speaking. And, you know, as you guys know, I recommend italki for that because it's so convenient and easy to use. And so as when you have these sessions, what you need to do is to get your tutor to help you deliberately practice your new vocabulary. Okay, you need to get your tutor to deliberately help you practice your new vocabulary. Now, here's how to do that. Really, it's a communication thing, to be honest. Uh, Teachers and tutors instinctively, intuitively understand this stuff. What you've got to do is communicate the fact that you want to practice that and then have them kind of help you out with that in conversation. So if you followed the art procedure so far, attention, repetition, and try, then you should have, at some point, selected the vocabulary that you want to memorize, right? So you've been looking at your dialogue or whatever it may be, and you said, okay, I'm going to bring my attention to these particular words. I am making the decision that I'm going to learn them. And you might even make a list. Uh, created, what I like to do is always to get a piece of paper and write that uh, those words down in a list so that I've kind of got them in one place. Then all you've got to do is simply send that list of vocabulary to your tutor. Or you could send them, you know, if you're studying from a textbook, you can send them the chapter of that textbook that you're studying. Something that puts you both on the same page, right? So you know that you want to practice these words and then your tutor knows that you want to practice those words. And then simply, you just got to tell them, look, in this lesson, let's practice this stuff. Then in the lessons themselves, your job is simply to use that vocabulary as much as possible in conversation. Now, yes, it can be unnatural. Yes, it can be rather basic, especially if you're a, um, you know, if you're at the early stages of a language, it can feel rather basic. But the point of this is not to have some kind of elegant conversation where you're actually kind of mimicking what a real conversation might sound like. That's not the point. The point is to train yourself to recall these words on demand and to hear another person using them. That's the point of it. So it doesn't matter how ugly your conversation is. If you kind of try many, many times to sort of sort of hammer these words into the conversation, it's fine. You know, we can worry about natural conversations when you come to meet people in the street or whatever. With your tutor, the point is to find creative ways of practicing this language over and over and over again so that you can start to, you know, bring it to the tip of your tongue whenever you need it and then recognize it when it's used. It's pretty straightforward, really. And yet you have to systematically do this. You can't just kind of hope that opportunities to use your vocabulary are going to come up. You know, I, you know, just yesterday I booked some lessons with my Cantonese teacher and the the only point of these lessons, the only thing that we're going to be doing is practicing vocabulary that I've learned from this material that I've been studying. That's the only point because I know that until I actually use this stuff in conversation, I'm not going to properly have mastered it. 
Okay, so with a bit of practice and creativity, there are tons of ways that you can both kind of play with these words to help you to practice it. And it's a lot of fun as well. It's the most fun of the whole thing. The only thing you've got to do really is to make sure that you've got a coherent list of the stuff you want to practice and then make sure your tutor knows what you want to do and is happy to help you. All right, so you know that it's important to try out your new vocabulary, okay? But there's, as I said at the beginning, there's one very important point I want to make here again, which is that most of the hard work is done before you come to speak, all right? You shouldn't rely on the speaking part to do all the hard work from the memory. If you've done your job with the art formula, if you've done your job with attention, creating those associations, spending time with the words, if you're then using the right techniques for repetition, so that you're repeating those words and you're practicing actually kind of, you're doing it in, in the right way so that you're kind of training yourself to remember and recall them as well. If you've done that right, you will find that actually trying out your new vocabulary is actually kind of the easy part. It should be almost there on the tip of your tongue and you just need to give it that little bit of, um, give it an outlet, if you like, a little bit of exposure. All right. So the real key to making the art technique work is not to just focus on any one of the parts. It's to do the whole thing. And it's to, to like really go deep with the vocabulary, take your time with it and to give it the attention that it deserves. Okay. So I hope this has been useful. I've really enjoyed making this little series. Um, memory is one of those things that is always a problem, never going to go away, but hopefully I've been able to break this down into a way that, um, that you understand that's been useful for you. Um, so if you enjoyed it, feel free to, to let me know, uh, or either by email or on Facebook or, or, or on Twitter. You can just search for Ollie Richards and you'll, and you'll find me there. As I said at the beginning, what I decided to do, because I've got so much feedback already from this series, is to put together a special class, special online class, where I'm actually going to go into some of these techniques in more detail. Okay, It's very, very cool. I've been uh, kind of playing around with different ways of running this. And what we're going to do is going to be a five-week course. And in each week, we're going to go into detail on one specific memory technique that uses the art formula. I'm going I'm to teach it to you. I'm going to give you lots of examples of how I use it. And then I'm going to set you homework, which is then going to be to go away and actually use that technique over the course of the week to memorize a bunch of vocabulary. Um, so it's going to be super exciting and it's going to be delivered live, which means you're going to get to ask me questions and, you know, any doubts or concerns that you've got about this whole thing, I'm going to be able to be there and to help you answer it. So it's going to be very, very cool. I'm really looking forward to this. If you'd like some more information, please go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash memory course okay that's i will teach you language.com forward slash memory course i've identified five memory techniques which for me are the most powerful techniques for memorizing vocabulary in a language and all of them use the art formula in different ways um the thing about our memory is that like not everybody's memory is the same and we all have different preferences some techniques might be really effective but if you don't like to study in that way, then it's not going to make sense for you, right? So the real point of this class is going to be to get you to try out all of these memory techniques, memorize a bunch of new words, and then decide for yourself which works best for you. And, you know, th so the idea being that at the end of the course, you are going to know exactly which is the most mem uh, effective memory technique for you. So that then you can go off and use that to exponentially grow 
your vocabulary, really be in control of your memory and move towards becoming fluent in the language that you're learning. So I'm really excited about this. I'd like to invite you to join the course. Again, for more information, I will teach you a language.com forward slash memory course. Again, I really hope you enjoyed this series. And I'll see you back in the next episode of the podcast.